This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the official travel agency of Communicore Weekly. With over 15 years of experience, Teresa and her team will help you book the best Disney vacation you've ever had. Whether you want to go to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, on a Disney cruise, an Adventures by Disney trip, or anything in between, Fairy Godmother Travel is the only travel agency we trust to help us make Disney magic. Contact them at Communicore Weekly at FairyGodmotherTravel.com today. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff, and I'm really excited to jump into our Swan Boat time machine today. I know, it's always so much fun. Yeah, because um, it's so roomy now that we had the additions put in by our our Dr. Scott friend. Yes, yes, it's going to be very nice, you know, with the cushions in the back, (laughs) autopilot, he got those and, cool beads, too. And it's nice that he will customize it for each trip so that the um, the cloth or the fabric of the seats will match the time period we're going yeah, to. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It's like our own personal version of uh, Pimp uh, My Time Machine. Pimp My Swamp Boat? Pimp My Swamp Boat Time, time Machine. Because, yeah, Dr. Scott's over at, what, Dr. Geek's Lab? Yes, yes. Yeah, so they do fantastic work over at Dr. Geek's And great lab. body yeah. work on, on your cars, too. I mean, they're all... <laughs> Or, doctors, or or it's a dog training school. I've, I don't know what we were talking lab. about anymore. Dr. Scott's probably mad at us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's okay. He'll, he will enjoy this segment. He will. Let's, uh, let's get to it. It's time for Disney History. Visiting Walt Disney World today is a vastly different vacation than it was in 1971. Back then, there was one theme park, you know, a few hotels, some recreation, and lots of plans on the boards. So, today we're going to take a look at one of the maps uh, through about 1975 that was in a Story of Walt Disney World Commemorative Edition Souvenir Guide. And the map also hung in a lot of the guest rooms at the Polynesian and Contemporary Resort hotels. So, you know, I can imagine being in one of the hotel rooms and just staring at the map on the wall and dreaming about the Magic Kingdom. And the rest of the vacation kingdom of the world, even though you were right there, because that's what I. Because that's, that's what I you do. do. Exactly. So we've got a few co- quotes, not coats. We've got some coats. I got some coats. But not you many. don't need them. You don't need them anymore, do you? That's that's true. I really don't in need California, a lot of coats. It's nice. Okay. So uh, we've got a few quotes from the guide, which sum up the vacation kingdom of the world, and we've got one to start. Quote. Walt Disney World is a completely new kind of vacation experience. Here you'll find all the fun of California's Disneyland and many new attractions created especially for Walt Disney World. And that's just the beginning. Here you can dine in the banquet hall of a medieval castle, sail for miles, or sun on the beach of a Polynesian village, watch the sunset from the deck of a 19th century steamboat, ride a swift monorail train right through the interior of the resort hotel, as contemporary as tomorrow. 
And the quote goes on, These adventures and many more await you and your family when you visit Walt Disney World, a completely new kind of destination resort. Come for the day, or better yet, plan to stay for your entire vacation. Here are just a few of the exciting adventures and attractions awaiting you and your family in the vacation kingdom of the world. End so, quote. Yeah, end quote. So yeah, so you have to remember back in 1971, nobody knew what Walt Disney World was. I, I love so, their, their vacation kingdom of the world tagline. Yeah, especially when they say, you know, spend your whole vacation here. Yeah, it, we yeah. have a one-day park, but come on anyway. But come on anyway, so... All right, so as we mentioned, we we love this description of the Vacation Kingdom, of what they call it. Obviously, Disney was trying to promote everything else you can do in addition to the Magic Kingdom. Now, don't forget that some of these descriptions that we're going to mention were written before Walt Disney World was even opened, nonetheless finished. So during the 1970s, you know, the Magic Kingdom itself would have closed around 6 o'clock almost every evening, evening, and it would only have been open until 10 or 11 in the evening during holidays and some weekends. So you really were expected to only spend about two days in the theme park, and the rest would be spent on recreating. Because what else so, are you going to do? Yeah, of course. Looking at what is labeled as section number one on the map, uh, the Magic Kingdom theme park, uh, it as quoted as saying, As exciting as Disneyland, with six lands themed to the worlds of yesterday, tomorrow, adventure, and fantasy. Main Street USA, Adventureland, Frontierland, Liberty Square, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. There are restaurants, shops, free entertainment, and more than 30 major attractions, including the Hall of Presidents, Country Bear Jamboree, Mickey Mouse Review, It's a Small World, the Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, Peter Pan's Flight, and Flight to the Moon. And how many of those are no longer there? Uh, two of them. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, I think only two. Just only two of them. So, okay. Surprising. Yeah, surprising. So, and over 30 major attractions, yay. Um, <laughs> so, next up, Area 2 focuses on the golfing on the map. And it says, quote, Championship Golf Courses. Two championship courses open to the public, including the Magnolia, 18 hole, 6,550 yard, par 72, and the Palm, which was an 18 hole, 6,410 yard, par 72. And the Magnolia course, selected as the site of the PGA's Walt Disney World Open from December 2nd through the 5th, 1971. So, obviously, golf was pretty big for Walt Disney World in the 70s, and in the world, for, for that part. Uh, true. Um, the third area, it's quoted as saying, Golf Resort and Clubhouse, a bi-level clubhouse featuring a pro shop, restaurant, and a complete locker facilities for men and women, end quote. Uh, so, the golf resort opened in 1973 and was often, often lauded for its low-key environment. In 1986, it was actually renamed the Disney Inn and included more of a Snow White and a Seven Dwarfs theme, which we've covered in the past before, haven't yes, we? Yes, we have. Yes, we did. We did cover it. So, so in 1994, the federal government, government signed a 100-year lease on the property, and it was renamed Shades of Green. In 1996, the government bought it outright for $43 million, but Disney still actually owns the land. So can they pull the land right out from under them? I guess they can. I wouldn't do that to the military. Like a magic trip. Like a magic trip. Oof. So, okay, so... It's an illusion, George. <laughs> it's an illusion, Michael. Um, so, section four was called Surfrider Beach. And the description is, quote, When you can hang ten on real ocean-style surf, rolling in from Beachcomber Isle. End quote. So that's probably not something that a lot of people are familiar with. You probably heard about Dick Nunes and his wave machine, but 
Beachcomber Isle in What's Surfrider that? Beach. Hey, so there is a wave machine, and the wave machine equipment can still be seen from the walkway between the Polynesian and the Grand Floridian on the island that is directly across from the Wedding Pavilion, which was originally called Beachcomber Isle. So before opening Walt Disney World, Dick Nunes fought for a $400,000 wave machine for the Seven Seas Lagoon that would lap waves gently on the shore of the beach at the Polynesian. Because how romantic would that be? Very romantic. You know, very romantic. So, so Dick Nunes hoped that professional surfers would be able to put on shows and that children and body surfers would be able to enjoy the inland ocean experience. Now, the wave machine worked. It worked very well. It just mostly eroded the Polynesian's white sandy beach. So, so they stopped it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. Maybe one day. Um, section 5 is the Polynesian Village, and it is a 500-room resort hotel designed in the style and leisurely manner of the South Seas. Swimming, boating, and beach facilities are just a few steps from every room in seven longhouses clustered around the central main building, the Great Ceremonial House. A theme of the Papete Bay Veranda restaurant is French colonial, while other restaurants are casual. Uh, the Barefoot Snack Bar, Captain Cook's Hideaway, the Tambu Lounge, and the Coral Island uh, Coffee Shop. So, Section 6, so we're sort of going around the map, you know, from the Magic Kingdom at the top and then down, would be the main entrance itself. And it says, main entrance, quote, Monorail trains, steamboats, and motor trams carry guests from this area across and around the Seven Seas Lagoon to the Magic Kingdom. Guided tours, guest relations, public lockers, and lost and found are located here, as is the Pet Motel, the Cow Kennel Kennel Club. No, Cow Can Kennel Club. Wow, I got tongue-tied on that too, one. Too many letters in there. Exactly, so... <clears throat> Number seven is uh, the Seven Seas Lagoon, a 200-acre man-made lagoon for sailing, swimming, and special nighttime water shows. Now, this wasn't in the original plans, but it was one of the first projects that were undertaken. Uh, the 1970s saw professional water ski shows uh, similar to the ones at Cypress Gardens, now Legoland, and the electrical water pageant, which inspired the Main Street Electrical Parade. Okay, so moving to Section 8, we get the Contemporary Resort Hotel. And again, quote, one of the wonders of the world for its dramatic design. Walt Disney World monorail trains run through the Grand Canyon Concourse located at the fourth story level in the 14-story A-shaped tower building. The resort has its own shopping plaza, health club, beauty shop, three swimming pools, marina, beaches along Bay Lake, and many restaurants including the Top of the World showroom and lounge. Ex extensive convention facilities include the Ballroom of the Americas, the Grand Republic Ballroom, the Sunshine State Exhibitor Exhibitorium, and a dozen meeting rooms. 1,057 guest rooms are located in the Tower Building and the two beds, Bayside, not bedside, two Bayside wings. End quote. Uh, number nine is Bay Lake a 450-acre natural lake for swimming, sailing, fishing, and water skiing, lined with four miles uh, and white sandy beaches. Uh, and then right after that is 10, Blackbeard's Island, uh, a wooded island with landing dark, 
dock, beaches, clearings for picnicking and excursions. Um, it was actually called Raz Island from 1900 to 1937 from the family that lived and uh, farmed there. And Delmore Nicholson, Florida's first disc jockey, he actually purchased the area in the late 1930s. And he actually lived in the island with his wife and his pet sand crane. And when he fell ill, Nick sold the island to some local businessmen who used it as a hunting retreat. And then uh, Disney actually purchased the land in 1965. Yeah, so the island was named Blackbeard's Island when Walt Disney World opened. And it appeared on guide maps, but development of the island didn't start until 1974. And at that time, they brought in like 55,000 cubic yards of soil to build up the actual acreage. And it was renamed Treasure Island and opened on April 7th, 1974. It was closed from January to March 1976 for a renovation that included a snack bar, because every place needs a snack bar. Heck yes. And an aviary. Now, while it reopened on April 1976, it was finally named Discovery Island. And the island was accredited by the American Zoo and Aquarium Association in 1978 and functioned as a breeding facility for birds. So the island, though, was sadly officially closed on April 8th, 1999, after many of the conservation and breeding efforts were moved to the animal kingdom. Number 11 is the Tri-Circle D Ranch, a home of all the horses serving Walt Disney World guests, with saddle horses available for guided trail rides. Also, a regulation-sized arena, which then leads us to number 12, Fort Wilderness a 600 acres of campgrounds among the beautiful cypress, pine, and bay trees of central Florida. Sites are available for campers, trailers, and tents, a seven-day limit. Many planned recreation activities, such as nature trails, boating, and campfire programs. Free transportation to the Magic Kingdom. Sorry, no private boats or pets are allowed. Pets can relax at the Kennel Club. So can you have public pets? I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. We'll have to find out once we, uh, you know, land this crazy swan boat. Yes. Okay, so one of the coolest areas on the map um, is labeled 13, and this is the Lake Buena Vista Stolport, S-T-O-L port. Um, and the quote is, initial air service plan from airports in Tampa, Daytona, and other Florida cities directly to Walt Disney World. And of course, the stall and stallport stands for short takeoff and landing. Now the Stolport is still there. You can see it as you drive to the Magic Kingdom across from the parking lot on the other side of the monorail line. And you get a good view of it on the Epcot monorail trip. And as of sort of this writing, the Stolport is mainly being used for Imagineering and construction offices throughout the properties. So finally, we get to area number 14, my personal favorite, the parking area. <laughs> so there's space for 12,000 cars. An adjacent uh, Gulf Car Care Center offers complete automobile service facilities, connecting road from US 192 and other Florida highways. So surprisingly, this is about the same number of spaces available in the Magic Kingdom and uh, transportation in Ticket uh, Center parking lot today. Go figure, right? Yeah, I would assume they would have expanded it dramatically, but... Well, that's what they have all those hotels for. That's what it is, just to keep people there. But I guess they do have other parking lots across the way. I guess so. Who knows, that's okay, but... Um, I love maps. I'm fascinated with maps, because it's a good way to track the changes and see how Disney World or different places was presented. And this is usually that giant map that most people are uh, excited to see, and sometimes you can get a good version of it on eBay, if you can find one, but... We'd love to know your thoughts about this early 1970s Walt Disney World map. If you've 
ever had experience, or if you've got one you'd like to give to us, we'd be happy to take it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that one. <laughs> give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Once Upon a Dream, A Twisted Tale by Liz Braswell. Okay, so Once Upon a Dream obviously is referring to Sleeping Beauty, which has had a couple of retellings over the past few years, especially by Disney. And we did review Liz Bradwell's, or Braswell's A Whole New World, which was Twisted Tales number one. And we both loved how she took the story of Aladdin in a completely different direction. So the premise of the Twisted Tale series is that the author takes a beloved animated film from Disney and reimagines it as if something different might have happened. So the first book in the series followed the Aladdin story pretty much to a T for the first quarter before veering off wildly uh, into a new direction. And then this go-round tells Sleeping Beauty's tale different right from the very first page. I mean, instead of starting at the beginning, the book actually begins with the question, well, on the back of the book it says, what if Sleeping Beauty never woke up? And you go, hmm. 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 So, so the book, Once Upon a Dream, is a very interesting way to reboot the story, for lack of a better term. But I still found myself sort of wondering during the first part of the book. It, it didn't make enough sense until you hit a pivotal plot point that was explained and that theoretically could have happened during the final moments of the animated film Sleeping Beauty. From there, it was a very Matrix-like or Inception-like dream, sort of. Yeah, it was a bit of a confusion for me at first, that, like George mentioned. And I would have been better off not reading that description on the back of the book first, honestly, mm -hmm. and just kind of taking it all in before the actual reveal happened. But that said, the first part of the book was an interesting peek into life. Would have been what it would have been like if Maleficent was in charge. Yeah, the and that's sort of where the twist comes in. It's not the same world that we saw at the end of the movie, and it does take some time for us to piece it together. But for me, once the action really started, the book picked up speed and, and was much more enjoyable. There's still a lot of a dream within a dream to the story, and in hindsight, it, it paid off more than I thought it would, but still, I don't think this book is for everyone. Yeah, I kind of had the opposite reaction that George did. Uh while it was kind of confusing, I did enjoy the first half of the book a lot more. Um, the second half just seemed like a lot of series of, you know, action pieces, kind of relaying the same information again and again to fill the page count before the final battle. And I kind of started to get a little bit bored and anxious for the end to arrive. And you didn't just skip ahead? No, no, no. I'll get, you know, I don't want the book to feel bad at me. I, don't, I would have felt bad, so yeah, I just kind of stuck it out. I do, too. Yeah, I do, too. So, um, you know, I have to admit that the Aladdin book did confuse me uh, a little, too, since I was really expecting a similar story, and I wasn't prepared for the darkness of Aladdin, which we talked about during that review. Yes. And the Sleeping Beauty book never really seemed to be as dark, although some pretty devastating things happened, which leads us to a vastly different ending from the film that's, that's I guess, a little meatier than I expected. Yeah, I mean, here this retelling wasn't as drastically different as Aladdin was. Aladdin took the normal story, waited until a little bit through, and then told a completely different tale. This one, everything in the movie happened pretty much up to the last two minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's more like 
an extension, a side yeah. story than anything else. But it does add some new twists and turns to the mix, and you know, it does change it up a bit. Yeah. So I think we both enjoyed Once Upon a Dream. Uh, it wasn't as interesting as A Whole New World. And this book, I think, is written more for teens, because uh, uh, definitely some of the violence may not be appropriate for teens and the younger set. Uh, adults, enamored with Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent, are going to really enjoy the Twisted Tale series of Once Upon a Dream, especially when they're able to put the story together. Yeah, if you just, you know, let yourself go and go with the flow, you'll find an, an enjoyable take on Sleeping Beauty's tale with some new things to think about the story along the way. Mm, more stuff to think about. Exactly. We like it. So, okay, so this week's book was Once Upon a Dream, A Twisted Tale by Liz Braswell. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. The Norway Pavilion at Epcot has always had great bathrooms, specifically of the Denmark kind. Uh, unfortunately, those are gone now, and Frozen is taking over with new restrooms that had to be constructed to accommodate all the people rushing to check in Frozen Ever After. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. That's not sarcasm. It's going to bring a lot of people into the park. Is it? No. Um, <laughs> so the new restrooms actually take up the footprint of the former restrooms, but are much, much larger. Uh, for example, the men's room actually takes up the entire old location of both the Denmark restrooms, and the women's room is a brand new. I'm glad you explained that because I was thinking it was like a Doctor Who TARDIS thing. No, no, no. That the well, restrooms were large on the, inside, on the inside? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Arendelle technology. I mean, oh, that's true. That's, that's true, how it yeah. happens. Yeah. The bathrooms are decorated in what I like to call Arendelle couture. So there's light blues for the sinks and doors and like these heavy wood colors for everything else. And there are more stalls and that just means you should expect more foot traffic when you're in there. And even though Frozen reminds you that love is an open door, please remember that does not apply when you're actually using the restroom. So close the stall door. Please and thank you. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Disney Springs has been experiencing a wealth of growth over the past couple of years, and it's really cool to kind of see all the new five-legged goats emerge. Um, one really good new one is a restaurant called BB Wolf's, and of course the name refers to the Big Bad Wolf of the Three Little Pigs fame. And in addition to the name itself, there's also a weather vane on top of the building in the shape of the Big Bad Wolf, and a nearby sign for the restaurant says that it was established in 1933. Of course, 1933 is the year that the three, uh, excuse me, the Three Little Pigs debuted in movie theaters across the, the world. Well, I can't wait to try out that barbecue. I know. Um, you're just excited because it's barbecue. I love... Well, I hope it's... they got some pulled pork there, but that's okay. We won't talk about that. <laughs> oh, man. The irony of that just yeah, hit me. Exactly. How terrible. <laughs> that was brilliant the first time I saw it. It's, it's a big bad wolf a, barbecue restaurant. Good, awesome. good one to slip in that by, Disney. Exactly. Good job. Exactly. Um, now, you don't have to huff or puff or blow our house down <laughs> to enter the year of a million or so living time cadets. That one may have been my favorite. I've, I was, I, it was just perfect. It just hit me. It was like an epiphany, well a done. lightning storm, or something like that. So, Thunderbolts and lightning. Yes. Very, very frightening me. Yes. Galileo. Galileo. Now everybody, <laughs> all the cadets are singing that song. So that segue was so good, it just threw us off topic totally <laughs> we are talking about the year of a million or so limited time cadets this is a weekly prize giveaway that we've been holding for over a year now because like disney we like to celebrate for more than a year if possible mm -hmm. and to enter to be a part of this contest you just have to have to email 
communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and birthday, and we will send you out a fabulous weekly prize. And this week's prize is a wonderful Fairy Godmother Travel prize pack from our friends at Fairy Godmother Travel and Teresa Corey. And this week's winner is Brooke P. from Grace Lake, Illinois. Hooray, Grace Lake, Illinois. Which I don't know where that is. I don't don't know either, but I'm pretending. But thank goodness we don't have to deliver this stuff. That's true, because I'd be really lost. That'd be cool, though. We'd be traveling all over the country. We Actually, would, but that's a we'd lot end of up, traveling. We'd end up delivering them just next to cadets next, that live next to us. Yeah. Hey, everyone's a winner in California and North Carolina. <laughs> Yay. Hooray. Wait a minute. We shouldn't have said that. That was a... We were being sarcastic. That was yeah, we were. Well, no. Everybody is a winner. Would they, everyone is a winner. Because they get to listen to us? I don't, I don't think that's Okay, true. so that means we're at the end of the show. So thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you get the show, YouTube, iTunes, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, and email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest or just say hey. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imagine Nerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And visit the Communa store at CommunicoreWeekly.com to get some incredible t-shirts. And you can get your official cadet membership card and Communicore Weekly stickers by sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. Do they have any other colors in California or just orange? I think just orange. Just orange. Okay. Same as Florida. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Um, you can always visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how you two can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.